It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born uh, hey, welcome, welcome back over to, to Hang on, what, what's going on that? over here, buddy? Hang on, hang on, hang uh -oh. on What are you doing to me? Uh-oh is this, is this American loser or I can steal that? I'm not sure right now I, I don't know. I think it's a crossover episode. Uh -oh. <laughs> what? It's just like when the Brady's went on vacation. All right, man. It's, uh, <laughs> we're going to have a good time here today. Uh, I'm excited. If you're an American Loser listener, uh, you already know about what our show does, but you don't know anything about my guest today's show. It's a crossover. Not even a guest, really. We're just co-producing, buddy. Yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like a guest. I'm co-producing and I'm doing all the work. That's, <laughs> that's the music industry in a nutshell, people. Well, say this. We are behind uh, behind the ones and twos, of course. Uh, listeners of my show, American Loser, which puts the spotlight firmly on second place. Weird Tales from American History. My dilf of a dad is not here today. But he behind, left us. He did. He's camping in western New Jersey. But, and he uh, told you you were adopted. Well, I'm we, sorry. We were going to figure it out eventually. That's why he's <laughs> Vietnamese and I'm not. No, um, that's true. But that's uh, why he has the most epic mustache. It hurts. I don't know why he does this. He rehashes jokes from other episodes to hurt me. With. <laughs> I don't know why. But um, no. So I'm excited here. We are at a shared universe podcast studio. Mike and Ming taking great care of us as always. Cahoon is behind the ones and twos. I got a great guest in today and we're going to do a, a, a tag team of sorts here, brother. I'm uh, excited to have you on the episode. Introduce yourself. Talk about the show for a sec, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about this. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Pete Stegmeyer. I am the host of I Can Steal That. Uh, that is a podcast. It's a true crime podcast without any of the murder. True crime you can feel good about. Each episode <laughs> is about a different heist, con, scam, swindle. Uh, it's basically like true crime where you can like root for the guy and not feel like a huge piece of shit because he murdered a bunch of people. Make crime great again. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, Dude, that's a great line too, though, man. But uh, Pete, great, great comic. Uh, met you in New York City, man. Also, uh, uh, two veterans hanging out over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, that's so. It was, as I recall, Army, right? Yes. Fucking a, man. So we got an Army veteran, a Navy veteran, and then we got Cahoon over here who uh, has a high Old school country buffet veteran. Oh, uh, this guy. Why is he? Why do you put yourself down like that? That wasn't a put down. Fair enough. It gets heated when they bring out like the fresh mashed potatoes. Like, yeah, man. It's, like it's it's dangerous. That's why they shut down both locations closest to me. They were like, we can't have this motherfucker come in again. What's the one Fox where the uh, does the commercials for and Larry the Cable Guy down south? Is it Old Country Buffet? I don't know if it was Old Country Buffet or if it was uh, whatever it was. I, I just knew that when I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, I refused to go there because I, I even Golden Corral. Go there it is, Golden Corral. I told uh, the girl I was with at the time, I was just like, no, I have dignity, ma'am. We will not go to Golden Corral. And then we would just we lived near a Chick Fil A, so that was pretty much it. <laughs> but, dude, you got a great podcast. Uh, former guest of this show, Lynette Palladino, was just on yours recently, right? She was, she was, she's great. What was the topic? Because it was really interesting from what she was telling me. Yeah, we we covered uh, a Spanish like a self made spy. Like he he tried to be a spy for the in World War Two for the Allies, and they turned him down. So he ended up uh, like going to the Nazis. Uh, said, hey, I'd love to be a spy. And then, like, set up, like, a fake spy network of, like, 27 people, like, across the UK. 
And he was like drawing pensions for like all of them. And then went back to the Brits. He's like, oh, I have this like fake Nazi spy network with like, you're the guy. And then he became like a double agent, but he like wasn't like a member of the military or anything like that. He just like Juan Pojo Garcia. It's, it's an insane story. Like, and he did like so well that like Hitler gave him an iron cross. <laughs> nah, we're, we're not talking about whatever topic y'all picked. We're talking about that. But that <laughs> sounds insane. <laughs> been done. Christian. <laughs> like it's, like if you scam Hitler, like you're 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 good people. I I feel like scamming Hitler. We had a friend of mine, a great, wonderful human being, one of the uh, uh, the truly great people of the New Jersey comedy scene. Uh, Donna Vicells is her name, and she once sent it to me that she actually had uh, an Iron Cross. And she goes, "Can you tell me what this means?" And I was kind of breaking it down for just a little bit. I knew off the top of my head. And she goes, so I should not wear it clubbing anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I. I've, Depending on what club, Donna, you let me know. <laughs> but I'm excited here, dude. Uh, we got a killer topic today uh, we're going to talk about. So uh, on my show for regular listeners uh, uh, and hopefully some new listeners I'm stealing from you, buddy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what we do is we talk about uh, the losers in American history. They can be any sort of reason. It can be people who either got lost in uh, the annals of history uh, or, or people, people who are just straight, straight morons. up douchebags, people with controversial legacies. I think today's topic, I they, think it counts. They got some controversial legacies. And then Pete does a great show about, you know, kind of famous heists in history. Now, these are not the good guys you want to root for, as you uh, mentioned in uh, uh, your intro for the show. These are kind of bad dudes today. Yeah, they're they're pretty objectively terrible. <laughs> well, uh, without. Um, ah, God damn it. I just I hate that. Don't you ever touch your uh, iPad right when somebody sends you a stupid spam message on your Facebook? Um, and then it takes you right to that window and you're like, oh, why, let me get out of here. Yeah, now I got to reopen Google Docs. Thank you, Jeff Zenesek. I get it. You have a new idea for your show. <laughs> but, uh, excited here. So uh, here we are, two broad-shouldered veterans uh, that both landed amid the sea of mental illness that is stand-up comedy. And we're going to talk trash about other people today. So I mean, isn't that what, all, isn't that what stand-up comedy is all about? It's true, man. Yeah, nature is coming back. I feel like things are getting normal. Hopefully, man. Hopefully. Slowly but surely, too. And then uh, before you know it, we'll be uh, we'll be eating burritos upstairs and going downstairs to perform art. <laughs> <laughs> well, define normal. <laughs> it's the truth, man. Peter, uh, you want to introduce the topic for this week? Yeah, sure. Um, so we are going to be talking about uh, one of the most famous outlaws probably ever, definitely in American history, uh, one of the most prolific bank robbers of all time train robbing pioneer uh and all around like historical uh legend like true legend uh we're gonna be talking about jesse james today yeah oh. and, uh, and just for the loser aspect too we're also jumping in there because frank is the forgotten james if you will so jesse's your bill frank your brian doyle murray all right that's, that's how... <laughs> oh come on i was gonna go with casey and ben affleck but <laughs> uh it worked out okay for casey in the long run i think kind of uh. he, he got his oscar that's <laughs> That is interesting. That's got to be a fun Thanksgiving table. Those guys sitting across from each other. I I like to think of like that, and then also like there's like a third Hemsworth. True. And just be like, how would you like to be like Bill Hemsworth? Isn't are, isn't there a third Hemsworth? There, there is. There, I forget his name. There's he's on, <laughs> exactly. He's on Westworld. I'm, I'm, there's Liam, Chris, and like Chet, or like Chet, Hank, <laughs> Chet Hemsworth. <laughs> Well, there were a lot of James kids. Uh, we're just going to give a little background here. Then I'm going to set you up for success, brother, because you pointed this out to me. Uh, Jesse James is involved in what is known as uh, – actually, why don't you just 
say what the reason he's going to be on your show is. And okay, break perfect. down mine. Uh, so Jesse is actually responsible for the first daytime bank robbery of uh, in American history. Uh, like the first, what we now know as a stick em up is a Jesse James original. Uh, and also the first <laughs> successful train robbery in American history. Yeah. Uh, by the way, for those who are listening, not the one that married Sandra Bullock. Different Jesse James. Okay. Just want to be clear on that. Same um, level of bastardry, but for different things. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's uh, depending on who you're talking to, you get a different answer about Jesse James. That's the weird part, because I always knew him as a bad dude. Right. Then you start reading about him and then you see some of it like he was pretty popular in his time, depending on who you were talking to. He was. And like his circumstances, like I'm not going to say that, like what he did was good. But like I and I usually like don't say this like because I, I feel like crime is like almost always a choice. But I kind of feel like the conditions that he grew up in, like really groomed him for a life of crime. Like, oh, totally. I don't think that I don't think that you put most people in the situation that he was in and you get a different result. I think you're right, man. It's uh, it's one of those things, too, because a, a lot of stuff pop culture wise, we try to tie that into. And obviously, Kahuna is this massive uh, wealth of knowledge on all things pop culture. So I think you're going to appreciate some of the weird tie ins today. Is that just a nice way of saying he's obsessed with the Muppets? Because it's it's true on both. <laughs> no counts. Muppets today. I don't think I don't think we have a Muppet tie in just yet. But uh, I will say this. What we do on the show is we don't do any of that revisionist stuff. We try to get people into, we taught my dad one word on the show and it was Zeitgeist, which is German for spirit of the times. And we're trying to get you to understand why these people make the decisions they do when they're, because again, a lot of people don't even realize that like, well, how could you wind up on that side of history? There wasn't a highway yet. You'd never heard of South Carolina. You know, there's a lot of weird things to consider, but I do like what you said too, because I don't think this guy could have wound up any different. If it was me, I probably would have done some of the bad shit this guy wound up doing. Oh, definitely. And like his his home county, especially like Clay County, Missouri, is like one of the most like interesting Civil War histories for a county because like Missouri was a union state, but the vast majority of the population was like in right. support of the Confederacy and slave owners, like including Jesse James's own family. And so like basically when the Civil War like kicked off and they they joined the union, they were trying to force people to fight to free slavery, which like them winning the war was going to put their, fi their family in a unique financial hardship. Yeah. And they had to like fight for it or be viewed as traitors. And so you had a lot of like people like jumping to the Confederacy or like different militias and stuff like that. It was, it was a weird time. Cause this is like a lot of times they're like, Oh, like brother versus brother. But like a lot of times like families really got ripped apart by this, like oh, yeah. literally. Uh, Lincoln married uh, his wife and his wife uh, had uh, Southern you know, slave owning family members of it that had to be disowned. And then there were people going back and forth with Lincoln. And then Jefferson Davis is born maybe 20 minutes away from Lincoln. It's a weird time, especially out West, because I think everybody would say, um, actually, we'll ask the Kahuna. He plays the role of the audience sometimes on the show. Also, he's a smarter guy than uh, he lets on sometimes with history. Uh, the start of the Civil War. When would you say it was? Oh, God, why did you do this to me? You don't have to say a date, but what incident? We've covered it on oh, the show. Oh, what incident? Yeah, there was a fort in South Carolina. Ah, oh, shit. I, KP, I'm blanking. It's no probably because of the steak. We fed him too much beforehand. That's, That's fair. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a... Um, and don't get him, you know, don't feed him after midnight kind of a thing. That's yeah. our kahuna. There's about to be a lot of other kahunas in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if Fort Sumner is when uh, a lot of people like to say the Civil War started, but there's like... Pete's right. There was some bloody fighting going on. 
when you call a state bleeding Kansas, um, that's when you know that maybe the polite Midwestern people have some shit going on with them. All right. Yeah. The Hatfields and McCoys weren't kidding around. No, it's uh, it's definitely. And, and you did a great job of uh, summing up Missouri, too, because you got this thing where they're trying to juggle uh, if we're going to admit a new state into the, the union. Is it going to be a slave state or is it going to be an abolitionist state? Right. So you got that that debate's going on from the get go. Um, so here we have a good, bad and ugly legacy for uh, our boy, Jesse James. Uh, he's got a lot of titles. All right. And uh, jump in if I miss any of the titles. Oh, yeah, on too. yeah. But uh, outlaw, murderer, soldier, guerrilla is in warfare, not Megillah. Um, victim, abuser, war criminal. And uh, the guy did all of this in just 34 short years on the planet. You forgot one thing, too. Uh oh. Also starred in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I have a reference to that later that I was very excited about. Do you remember the mission in the, the video game that, the, that you had? In the Bill and Ted video game? Yes. No, I never played Your it. Your mission in the video game, Bill and Ted have to give an Uzi to Jesse James. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shit you not. <laughs> but uh, they're uh, born to a slave-owning family in Missouri in 1847. Uh, Jesse was ironically the son of a preacher man. Kind of a, you know, not really following in dad's footsteps, are you? Um, yeah. Older brother Frank, younger sister Susan, cousin named Christian Cordez. Oh, wow. Their father, Robert, died out in California during the gold rush. Um, do you uh, you talk anything about the gold rush on your show at all? Or? Uh, I've I've made one or two uh, references to it, but uh, I've got a few episodes coming up that are going to deal more with. Uh, there were, there were some bastards out there. Oh, man. insane. <laughs> so they had that one. Um now, we said the border state thing earlier, obviously, you know, the Civil War is really the, the precursor to it is being fought out in Kansas. And right nearby is Missouri, like you said, specifically that one county, too. Um, there's serious opposition. The area where the James boys are from, uh, they call it Little Dixie. That's how many friggin' Southern boys were out there. Jesus. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> one thing that I thought uh, was interesting about that, too, is like Missouri is the only state that was represented on the American flag and the Confederate flag. It was the 12th star Whoa. of the Confederate flag because they did like have like a guerrilla secession as well true man and then like jefferson davis like welcomed them into the like unofficially but officially welcomed them into the the confederacy as well there were some torn allegiances over in missouri if you go to missouri now you ever been out there in you know for any reason military comedy anything um i've driven through it a little bit i grew up in wisconsin oh uh, no shit but i haven't really i haven't really hung out there Okay, I had buddies in the Navy that were from Missouri, and they did a weird thing where uh, you have, uh, they had some Southern tendencies and then some Northern tendencies. So your barbecue is going to be killer. It's going to have a Kansas City vibe to it, obviously. And then your um, your your drinking, though, like the hard liquor, they want to crack open the Jack Daniels. And then the only time I've ever seen this done, they pour tomato juice in their Bud Light. What? Yeah, it's like that clamato thing or whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah, but they made their own at home, and I was, I knocked it, and then I started drinking it at the pool one day with them. I was like, all right, I get it. <laughs> but that's crazy. That's the weirdest fact I've learned all day. They, uh, it was goofy out there. Now it could just be that that one family was like, you know, radiation poisoning victims or something. I have no idea. But, <laughs> uh, I thought a couple terms just to establish them as we're getting going here real quickly. The uh, uh, bleeding Kansas we're talking about out there. You got the fighting in, we're going to use simple terms just to, to break through the story here, but uh, you have the unionist militias and then you have these uh, uh, rebel militias, if you will. So the, the rebels are kind of your confederates. They're going more towards a, a slave owning society, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and then, and, and this is why, because when people say it was a state's rights issue that had the civil war, 
they're not wrong. They're not correct either. But like it was a state's rights issue. The state's rights issue just happened to be, should we own people? So uh, it gets a little ugly. It, it does. God, and the, a... uh, like, so the militias, it was like, uh, I know the Jayhawks were the pro-union, right? Yeah, so that's your, your local uh, uh, abolitionist movement was going to be the Jayhawkers, which uh, you want to talk about uh, a pop culture reference, Cahoon's University of Kansas basketball team. What's the mascot? Oh, God. I don't Jayhawks, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that name comes from that. And then uh, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, no. I, I actually forgot the name of the Confederate one. I think it was like the Bush Bushwhackers. Bushwhackers. Yes, sir. So you got Bushwhackers, Bushwhacker militias versus Jayhawker militias. And it's kind of a, you said Hatfield and McCoy earlier, Cahoons, and that was pretty solid. Um, no one can tell who really started the aggression out there, but I can't tell you how ugly it got pretty quickly. Ugh, so How bad are we talking well, I, I'll tell you what, we'll try to split this up here. Um, so the Union militias, uh, again, it's hard to tell who really started what, but uh, the Union forces were doing house raids and enforcing martial law. And if you were a suspected person, like a sympathizer or something like that, they could pull you out for questioning. There was also some executions that went on. Uh, and then there was also a lot of maybe kangaroo courts kind of a thing, right? Yeah, can, uh, like justice on paper. It's like, well, we, you, you were seen by, you know, by a judge, technically. The judge was a member of our posse, but he's a judge. Okay. That kind of a thing. So there was a lot of crazy stuff with that. They're putting each other down, property damage, shit like that. Um, did you know about what some of the Confederates were up to down there, Pete? Uh, I know that they were they were engaging a lot in, uh, like, guerrilla warfare and things like that. Yeah. Because, uh, because everything, like, on paper was, was Union, but you had a lot of people that, like, wanted to fight for the Confederacy but couldn't do so officially. Uh, so they would they would go around and do that. And then there were also like gangs of like different raiders and things like that. Like Bloody Bill, I know, was like one of the like Bloody Bill oh, yeah. Anderson was one of the main like gang leaders. No shortage of colorful names in today's story. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, no, some good names. Definitely some good names. And then like, I remember like Frank James ended up getting getting like wounded and then like was in a hospital. And then the union came and like basically kept him prisoner for. Oh, yeah. For. uh couple months i think and then like he tried to escape and got uh well he jo he's because frank's the older just to give uh the, the listeners some uh some background here so frank is the older james boy right now uh the father dies out in the gold rush when he's uh three uh well, when the uh, jesse's three rather so then the mother winds up remarrying she remarries a, a total of three times but the third guy sticks and uh it's this guy who's a doctor right so they're pretty prestigious well-off family in the missouri area a lot going on over here um and uh, Frank winds up because the, the entire family, you know, their father-in-law or stepfather, I should say, um, stepfather and step siblings and everybody, they all decide they're going to support the Confederacy. So they're on the side of. Uh, but again, I know Cahoon always makes this face, too, man. But keep in mind, they, they've never gone more than 40 miles outside of where they're from. So it, it's almost like you want to be on the side of whoever's done the least harm to you. So now if you've got these Union Raiders, you're going to see in a minute what radicalized Jesse so yeah and like and also at this time like you can't not pick a side like especially in this part of missouri because it's literally a battleground state and there's things oh, happening yeah. it's all the just time. giants baby and if like if you try to like be switzerland in the middle of missouri you're just going to get hit from both sides so you have you have to pick a side you have to join a gang basically to to protect your family yeah and then uh, not for nothing too if you want to think about it uh if you had if you try to say well i'm going to play it right down the middle 
the amount of evidence these people had to have to determine whether or not, well, he says he's neutral, but I saw him talking to one of them Jayhawkers the other day. Next thing you know, they're burning your house down. So it's, it's rough times over here, man. But um, so Frank James winds up joining first. Uh, he goes into, uh, he actually fights at a battle of Wilson's Creek in 1861, which I didn't know this had the first general killed in uh, the Civil War was at that battle. I did not know that. We tend to think of everything. I mean, I'm an East Coast kid, so we our theory on the show is that New Jersey is the center of the universe. <laughs> there, there will be no New Jersey tie in this week. I couldn't come up with one. Um, but uh, so that's in 1861. And he gets ill. He turned, you know, uh, Frank is ill and he goes back to uh, Clay County, like you were saying. And uh it's that weird stat where more people died in the Civil War from illness than died from combat. So that's like a pretty, it's a pretty shitty thing to get involved. Like, oh, I can either take my chances on the battlefield uh, and then just hope that the guy I'm sleeping next to doesn't have cholera. But <laughs> so uh, he winds up getting back over there. And in these two years that he's uh, he's kind of relocated to Missouri, Frank's engaged in guerrilla warfare, uh, and uh, it's in Clay County, Missouri, where the James brothers and their stepfather live. And in 1863, all hell is about to break loose. All right. New York City's got draft riots going on. That's literally when, uh, um, you know, Patrick Burke came over, the first Burke in America. <laughs> he got off the boat from Ireland and joined the Union Army because he was poor. So um, you got the Emancipation Proclamation getting dropped. Uh, Stonewall Jackson has been killed at the Battle of Chancellorsville. Future President Ulysses S. Grant is starting to make things happen uh, down near Vicksburg. And a Union militia raids the house of Dr. Reuben Samuel. So uh, Reuben Samuel, the stepfather, uh, probably a beloved stepfather to a degree. You don't read anything bad about him. Uh, and a young teenage Jesse are caught off guard. Pete, if you want to, take it away, brother. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's a good way to do it. Because like Reuben Samuel was, was his, I guess, as good of a stepfather as you could have back then. Because like her previous her previous like marriages uh, did not go well, like. Uh, at one point, like after after Je uh, Jesse's dad died in California, uh, she was like pretty much destitute. And like as soon as he died, like there were creditors after her. And so like their parish like passed the collection plate around, but they couldn't make enough to like pay off the debts. And so she marries uh, a really old dude to to try to like settle some of the debts. And he's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll marry you. But he's like, you have to get rid of your kids. And so then the uh, the James boys were like shipped off and their sister to another relative. And then he died. And apparently the mom was like thrilled and then like eventually remarried this this other uh, Reuben Samuels guy who, by all accounts, tried to be like the best stepdad he could. Didn't seem like a bad guy on that one, man. Um, but they're going to have a shitty day in uh, 1863. Uh, young Jesse's a teenager, gets ambushed, caught off guard here. And it is uh, it happens to be a uh, union or a Jayhawk, uh, Jayhawker militia. And they come in there. Uh, according to the legend, they lashed Jesse. Uh, I'm sure they roughed him up a little bit. There's no way you're going to let a teenage boy, you know, loose while you're trying to, you know, enforce something. here. And they actually took a noose and put it around the neck of Dr. Samuel. And they uh, they uh, he lived. Let's be clear on that. But they did lynch him in the front yard uh, and, you know, in order to torture him, try to get info out of him, anything like that. Yeah, they lynched him a lot. Like they would like uh, kind of like when you're like waterboarding somebody like they would like tie the noose. They pull him up like so his feet were dangling oh, off shit. the ground for, like you know, 30 <laughs> seconds to a minute. And then they'd like drop him on the ground uh, and then they do it again. Like and basically did rounds of lynching him trying to trying Jeez. to get Good God. Yeah, and Jesse's watching all this. So uh, young Jesse's watching his. And they're uh, doing this to his stepdad. Yeah, yep, to a doctor. 
Dr. Ruben Samuel is getting pretty much tortured while uh, Jesse, young teenage Jesse, is watching him. Um, and he doesn't know that they're going to... You have no idea of knowing that your stepfather's going to live through this. Right. I mean, you're expecting that your world is over at this point. Um, now, one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid, I, I, I watched a lot of Clint Eastwood movies with my dad and my grandpa. And um, my favorite movie possibly ever, actually, is The Outlaw Josie Wales. And the opening scene of that is very similar to this, where they, they created a more dramatic version of it, that uh, Josie Wales, played by Clint Eastwood, is a, a, a man who's neutral in Missouri. And uh, then the Union Red Legs come through because they were called Red Legs because they was Union Cavalry officers with uh, like n not red socks, but like red cloth around their uh, from their ankles to their knees, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And they showed up, killed his wife and kid and then uh, crucified him in his front yard. But he lived. And uh, then that was going to be like his one man's war kind of a thing. Well, that's taken in part from what young Jesse James is seeing right here. So do you think Jesse James is going to say, I want to make sure I'm on the right side of history? Uh you know, really, if you think about it, it's, it's not a state's rights issue. It's actually a human rights issue. So I'm going to be on the side that just tortured my stepfather in front of me. Jesus Christ. Or do you think shit's going to get dicey? It's going to get dicey. It always <laughs> gets dicey. Look, look at the fucking show. Sorry, Sunquist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, interrupt me anytime you have. Oh, anything. yeah. No, I, I will. So uh, now this is going to radicalize young Jesse. Uh, he knows that the militia is looking for Frank, right? Uh, and this boy's quite angry. A 16-year-old pissed-off Jesse is now about to go meet up with, uh, he's trying to meet up with his brother, and Frank is, uh, you said a great term earlier, uh, and it's important that we say this, because this isn't, this isn't, you know, gallant warfare. He wants to meet up with a group known as Quantrill's Raiders. So, uh, you got anything on Quantrill right away, or? Uh, not off the top of my head. I Controversial guy. Yeah, controversial yeah. guy. Like, I know that he had about, like, 200 guys in his gang. Uh, and they were a pretty effective guerrilla force. Uh, and I, I believe that uh, the younger brothers were also uh, part of his gang. So like a lot of the people that would later become part of the James Younger gang, uh, which is like uh, the Youngers were another county's version of the James brothers, basically. And then they joined like a super gang. So you had Kind of like the first like traveling wheelberries of crime. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to make a. F I was just about to make a reference similar. I'm very proud of. They're you. like the Avengers of bastardry. <laughs> yeah, they they really were, and a lot of them like got to know each other um, and got to like work together and stuff like that through uh, through being part of uh, Cortland's Raiders. Yeah, so this uh, uh, Captain uh, Captain Quantrill, I think, is what. Uh, yeah, Quantrill. I'm making sure I'm saying it right too, <laughs> but. Um, this is a particularly deadly group, by the way, in August of that year. So this happened, uh, I want to say earlier in the summer uh, is when the, the incident happened with Jesse and his stepfather. So now uh, Frank is riding under Quantrill, who, by the way, uh, there's a reference in uh, if you've seen any version of True Grit, the novel, uh, the John Wayne version or the uh, the more recent version by the Coen brothers. Uh, there is a line in there where Rooster Cogburn, uh, played by Jeff Bridges in the most recent one, says when he served under Captain Quantrill and uh LaBeouf, played by Matt Damon in the new one, who's a Texas Ranger, goes, Captain, Captain of what? Because this wasn't like, this wasn't the ethical warfare. These were, these were bad people. These were marauders, pretty oh, much. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, they had just pulled off a brutal, uh, he was big on guerrilla tactics, a little bit of a ranger of sorts, getting skirmishes. They fought like Native Americans, you know, a different kind of cultural appropriation. But uh, this particular event, they go for total war. Uh, this one's fucked up. Um, Frank James is serving under the Raiders during what becomes known as the Lawrence Massacre. Uh, you got anything on that off the top of your head? Uh, well, I know that this is like the attack where like the name Bleeding Kansas like really comes from. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
and what do they kill like 200 people uh mostly like men and men and boys yeah right? uh 200 men and women i'm sorry men and boys rather uh the women were allowed because women weren't enlisting so it wasn't that there was a mercy shown to them for that uh and that was on august 21st 1863 so bloodiest in kansas history you're dead on with that yeah that's it's a pretty pretty crazy uh, pretty crazy time. And like, it's, it's very formative for a lot of like the tactics and things like that, that they will later use to, to perform their robberies and stuff like that. Jesus. Well, th this is, yeah. Uh, Kahuna's bringing up some photos, which I'll probably put up on the, uh, the Instagram page, which by the way, is well, that, drawings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, drawing. Yeah. Scrimshaw. <laughs> Stu, could you Matt Scrimshaw is the wildest thing too. The idea that this would be done into a, a like there's other pieces that are like done into wood. Like you have to be a woodworking artist on that one. And meanwhile, I'm sitting here struggling, talking into a microphone. <laughs> yeah. Ain't good. But this is crazy. Yeah, uh, absolutely brutal, bloody day, man. Uh, oh, by the way, I love on Wikipedia. They call it a Confederate victory. It wasn't really a battle. <laughs> you know, it's not like <laughs> uh, a lot of the troops that were involved that were killed by um, it, it were they, they call them belligerents. That's the, the correct term on there. But uh, a lot of the U.S. soldiers or the Union troops that were trying to uh, do something were literally being mustered as the attack was happening. So this was total guerrilla warfare, element of surprise, everything, which you'd think would get him some bad press, but it doesn't. Uh, young Jesse's like, oh, I saw I want to meet up with that guy, man. So he winds up riding with uh, a, a gentleman that uh, Pete introduced us to earlier. Uh, tell me if this sounds like a happy guy you want to hang out with, Kahuna. Uh, Bloody Bill Anderson. Oh, sounds like a great drinking partner. <laughs> like, you just have to hope he's British. I'm like, oh, Bloody Bill Anderson. Fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> a terrible accent. Bloody Bill, you want to go drink in Nasbury Park, man? It's going to be a great time. Oh, you're bringing Bloody Bill out with you? <laughs> yeah, man. It's always a party with Bloody Bill. Uh, well, Bloody Bill was, uh, he earned that nickname. I'll put it that way. Uh, Jesse, by the way, early on gets a serious chest wound in combat. Um, Jesse? Yeah, Jesse, he gets a couple serious chest wounds. So he's he's battle-tested guy, man. And these, like, add to his legend later because they're like, oh, you can't kill Jesse James by, like, shooting him in the chest because, like, people try and they do. And, he and always, he's fine. Well, he's not fine, but he comes back from it. Yeah, so, so he becomes the, the folk hero revisionist thing gets really interesting as we go here. But uh, Frank uh, and Jesse, you know, I feel bad for Jesse. He missed out on the Lawrence massacre. If only there was another massacre they could take part in, Pete. Uh-oh. <laughs> Foreshadowing? <laughs> so uh, this leads us up to uh, what is known as uh, the Centralia or Cent Centralia? How are you going to say it? Centralia Massacre. We'll go with that one. Um, and I feel like you got some info for me on that one, Pete. Uh, Centralia. Is this the one where the uh, the prison collapsed and killed uh, Bill Anderson's sister? Or was that? That was the end of the Lawrence Massacre because that, okay. that prison went down too. In Kansas City. Yeah. The uh, Centralia Massacre was... Uh, <laughs> Um, involved the Raiders stopping a train that was carrying Union soldiers, and uh, many of whom were unarmed. A lot of them were uh, trying to go home, that they had done their time or whatever. And uh, they, uh, these Confederate Raiders stopped them, then massacre and scalp over 20 of them. So they weren't done yet, though. The Raiders are actually then pursued by a Union detachment that was able to counterattack. All right, so now the Raiders are running away, and then they counterattack. I didn't do infantry. I served my country one urinal cake at a time, Pete. So uh, when you got, you know, boots on the ground knowledge, you stop me and correct me, please. Will do. All right. So uh, they pull off this counterattack and uh, they actually wind up getting the drop on their pursuers. 
and Jesse is credited with the killing of the commanding officer that was pursuing them. I think his name was Putnam. I can't remember. But uh, they also then, because they're good guys, refused the surrender of the Union troops and massacred the rest of them. So don't fuck with bloody Bill Anderson and the boys. They don't leave any survivors to tell the story. I think it's a different Putnam. Uh, there's a George Putnam in the American Revolution that apparently I'm a distant relative of, who is like no one shit. of the generals. So I had, to, I had to think about that for a second. I'm like, no, different different time. But um, and it's it's like I'm glad that you mentioned the surrender thing, because at one point, like during all of this, Jesse like has enough as I think he's 18 at the time. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to surrender. And so he goes and like starts riding towards the Union forces like by himself with a white mm-hmm. flag. And they uh, they decide to basically extend the same courtesy and say, oh, well, we're not going to accept your surrender and try to shoot at him. And I think that's where he gets a second chest second wound. Second chest wound, yep. And uh, and that one, like he basically vows, he's like, I'm never going to surrender again. Uh, and he doesn't for the, the remainder of his days on Earth, man. But uh, the, the James boys aren't internationally. I shouldn't even say internationally. They're not. Uh, it's not worldwide fame, but they're definitely there's enough pressure back home from what Frank and Jesse are doing on the battlefield that their family kind of gets told, hey, uh, you're great. You know, nothing against you, but your boys are out there doing a lot of stuff. And it might be better if you moved out of Clay County forever and did it immediately. So uh, they try to get them to go down to the southern states, but uh, they don't do that. They actually just go uh, to Nebraska. So my guess is it's because they didn't want to root for an SEC team. They wanted to be, you know, stay in the Big Ten. Um, that's fair. That's <laughs> that joke went over Kahuna's head, which is tough because he's six foot two. <laughs> so, um, but it's not going great for these Raiders either. They, they they get to pull off a lot of their shit, but uh, Quantrill dies of combat towards the closing days of the war. Uh, Bloody Bill gets killed in an ambush. Really? Je- Jesse receives, uh, like Pete said, is uh, his second devastating chest wound. And uh, inadvertently, a recurring theme on the show, he gets nursed back to health. Uh, do, do you know who does this for him? Uh, I do not. Oh, uh, He gets nursed back to health by his cousin, uh, who is named after his mother. And uh, Jesse marries her. You have to if she's named after mom. That's right. That's... <laughs> Any... Any questions about whether re- they are Southern or not or laid to rest right then and there? <laughs> I don't think you realize how disgusting your your last statement was. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We've covered that. I'm adopted, so the worst part of being adopted on online dating is just hoping that you're not fucking your own sister. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're grossed out. I live that nightmare every day. <laughs> All right? That's me. Like, oh, this girl's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Are you Irish? Oh, this isn't good. Are you I'm kidding need... me? My need... dad was a music artist, man. I don't know. I don't know if I've got another brother or sister out there. It's terrifying Hang to go on. on Tinder. We're gonna have to do some math on that one. I'm wondering if we're related now. Oh, wait a minute. That's... We do look similar. <laughs> you did yeah. say you were Irish. <laughs> <laughs> don't but... you think we look the same, man? I, I think so. <laughs> it's pretty similar. Yeah. I often do get confused. People come up to me on the road. Are you Big Kahuna? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're the reason why I have like 23 warrants <laughs> across the Jesus. country. I, he's throwing them out today, Pete. He's showing off for you. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, war is not going great uh, for uh, those Southern boys, all right? The war is actually now over. Reconstruction's underway. We are setting the stage for Pete to shine right now. Um, it's fascinating to me because uh, we're going to use terms that have a modern sense to them, and they don't really fit back then. 
You got Democrats and Republicans are now the terms that were being used to label, label former federal and Confederate troops. Jesse is pretty much still bedridden around this time, uh, but he and his brother refused to surrender. They kept their weapons. All right. Now, they, question for you. Talk to me. The I know you said with the Zeitgeist of the Times, you you can't really describe people as Democrat Democrats and Republicans based on the terms now. But could you essentially say it was basically reversed or is that still too complicated? I think that's, I think that's pretty, pretty accurate. Like you, like had the you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, the Republicans were the abolitionists and the Democrats were the, we want to get slavery back and yeah. uh, do all the things that they, the, it's literally just reversed and it's, and it's kind of been that way ever since. I. Uh, I'll, I'll say this because that that definitely there's some truth to what you guys both said there too. I've kind of noticed that it changes in 30 year shifts, that that's where. It, so again, it goes back to as crazy as it is. You read some of these weird articles where like, oh, by the way, if Reagan ran today, he'd technically be a Democrat. Uh, and then if you go back 30 years from there, you'd be like, oh, JFK, you mean that radical Republican? Like it, it's weird. So that's why I hate using the terms, but it, it's the correct terms for the time. Yeah. So it's always that thing. And again, let's, let's remind everybody at home. This isn't a political Not a political audience. show. It's We're telling stories, you bastards. <laughs> but uh, it's um, it's a weird thing with that. Uh, and Pete's right, too, by the way, because uh, around this time, you know, you got uh, you're approaching President Grant. Right. That's what what's coming here, which imagine how unpopular the general that just engaged in total war in the South would be. That now he's trying to unify the country. There's, it's a really wild. I did not give Reconstruction the time. Like, were you fast in, in history? Reconstruction never grabbed you as a kid, did it? it? It wasn't like we didn't really talk about it very much. Like we we spent a lot of time talking about like the uh, the colonial days and things like that. And then we started to get a little bit into the Civil War. And then you find out like, oh, they didn't teach you like almost anything about the Civil War except you know good versus bad and, and stuff like that. And I, I also like, I grew up in Wisconsin, so we we're like very, very Yankee centric civil war education. I had fun when I was there cause I, I did my time at great lakes. Uh, and, uh, on certain weekends we would sneak out to Wisconsin and go hang out over there. Nice. Yeah. It was, uh, but the, the people of Wisconsin are also a gorgeous country out there too. It's, it can be like a lot of it's like flat and awful. Uh, and then there's like some like beautiful, like lakes and woods and stuff like that. You have to, really roll the dice to, to see what you get. And you guys are fun out there too, because you will meet um, someone so far left to the point where there's no, you can't go any further left. And then you will also meet somebody who's so far right beyond, you know, th there's nothing out. They couldn't be more. And everyone gets together and roots for the Packers. Yeah. It's, yeah. Pretty, it's pretty wild, man. Um, so I thought this was worth mentioning just as we're setting you up here, brother. Um, Cause I'm excited. I, I have less than a paragraph of notes before it's your show, buddy. Um, like we said, war's over, reconstruction's going on. They keep their weapons. The, the mere act of keeping your weapons, okay? Again, you're Jesse James, and you don't want to turn your guns over to the people that were attempting to kill your stepfather in front of you. You've done some bad shit now, too, so you know there's people that want revenge against you, so you got to keep your guns uh, on yourself. That That's you know protection at this time. Um, it was expected of them to hand their guns in after oh yeah. that. Really? Yeah. There was uh, also Confederates were not allowed to hold office or vote um, for the first couple of elections uh, afterward, which had some really great results, depending on how you look at it. And then also some terrible results. And then it all collapsed anyway. So. Yeah. And uh, actually, like, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, mentioned all that, because one of the things that the Raiders did like after the war, uh, because like 
the war ending didn't like end these militias, but they started doing like all these like crazy like voter suppression campaigns where they were like going around and like actively intimidating Republicans to try to not vote. Oh yeah, uh, you got uh, the Klan is uh, almost at its heyday over here at this time frame too. Um, wildest shit I ever heard when when touring something. I went to uh, Appomattox Courthouse with a friend of mine because every vacation for my family was always uh, something uh, battlefield or fort. And then oddly, I'm down at my buddy. Uh, his dad was a, a cop who had just retired, and we were staying on there. They had a big chunk of farmland in Virginia, and that was the only thing nearby was Appomattox Court. I was like, oh, we should go to that. And uh, my buddy was all confused because he was asking. He goes, oh, so uh, this was when the Civil War ended, right? So this was it? And, then, and I was like, no, that was uh, uh, just Robert E. Lee surrendered here. So that was the end of the Army of Northern Virginia. And then uh, so then my buddy asks the tour guide, he goes, well, then when did the Civil War actually end? And the, the tour guy gave, he goes, depending on who you talk to, it's still happening. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have been a nicer, more informed guy either. But it was it was just a very funny answer. Um, so they got all this crazy shit going on over here. Uh, the Marauder gorillas are now because, uh, uh, like we said, everybody's been whacked pretty much. Quantrill's dead. Bloody Bill's dead. Uh, the Raiders now fall underneath uh, the, the leadership of a guy by the name of uh, Archie Clements, who you go from Bloody Bill to Archie. <laughs> yeah. Little Archie was literally his nickname. I swear to God. Uh, did, he per perf did he perform in the Archies and release a hit single called Sugar Sugar? <laughs> he did, actually. That's what I figured. Kona, while we're setting Pete up for success here, because he's about to tell us about the, the heart of the story today. Um, just casually bring up a picture of Archie Clements. And tell me it does not look exactly like Val Kilmer's Doc Holliday from Tombstone. Oh, my God. Because these boys are about to pull off quite the feat here. Uh, Pete, do me a favor. Give, <laughs> oh, wow. Give us the, uh, uh, yep, there it is. <laughs> I'm your huckleberry. Oh, so. my God. I'm actually glad that you mentioned Archie because he's a central figure in the first robbery that by, by all means, brother, take it away. This is welcome to the uh, the I can steal that showcase portion. <laughs> Hit me, buddy. I'm fascinated. All right. So um, like KP did a great job, like setting up the wars over. But these criminal organizations, uh, as as they tend to do, like after wars, by the way, like it's the same thing, like after Vietnam and uh, and also like the end of the Korean and World War Two, where you start to see like biker gangs and things like that. Oh, the war's <laughs> so, over. It's just business as usual. Yeah. Like but a lot of the veterans and stuff like that, like they've like. When you're when you like serve with somebody like and you go through like hardships and stuff like that, like it's hard to break that bond. And when the war is over, you don't want that that bond to be over. So a lot of times you end up having people like start biker gangs or bands of marauders and and things like that. And so this is basically the the precursor to like the biker gangs. That That's a great comparison, on. by the way. Thank you. Um, so, so this is the Hell's Angels of. Yeah, pretty much. Of, OK, cool. Pretty not, much. Not far off. And so the first, the first uh, robbery, and I, I want to like caveat this too. Like, this is not the first time in American history that a bank had been, or that a, that a bank had had money stolen from it. Uh, there were two previous cases uh, that I'll probably cover on a future episode at some point. Uh, but both of these were like heist style. Like, they break in at night, steal steal what they can, uh, and then you find out in the morning that this has happened. But what Jesse James and his gang did. Uh, was the first daytime stick em up robbery. Ballsy. And so they do this uh, February 13th, 1866. And it's important to point out that like Jesse is at this point, like still recovering from his chest wound. 
So he can't, he can't like participate. He's not useful. Yeah. He's not useful. He can't really participate in this, but he plans it. He cases the, the bank out. And this is like, it's a bank he knows well because it's the Clay County Savings Bank. And, and uh, where are they from? Kahuna? Wait a minute. <laughs> Keep going, Pete. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they go up to the Clay County Savings Bank in Liberty, Missouri, which is their hometown. And so uh, 13 members of the gang roll up. Uh, Frank James and Cole Younger of Younger Gang uh, Notoriety dismount their horses, enter the bank right as it opens. Uh, Frank James goes up to the cashier. Uh, this guy's name is Green Up Bird, which I like. It's a good name. <laughs> green Up? Yeah, Green Up, like prenup. <laughs> uh, and he gives him like a, a big bill and asks for him to like to, to get change for it. And he has no problem with that. He opens up the cash register. And the second that the register is open, James pulls out a pistol, points it right at his face. and Give me the money. Yeah, pretty much. It starts saying, give me all your money. Uh, at this point, uh, Younger jumps up and goes over the counter and Bird's son, uh, William, is like just because at, at that time, like you brought your kids to work with you sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like he sticks a gun in, in the Younger Bird's face and hands him like a big flower sack and says like all the money in the bank, put it in the bag. Jesus. Yeah. And they're the only like these four people are the only people in the bank. And the, Am I supposed to hear the Heat soundtrack playing in the background? <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's, it feels very, very Heat-like. And so they go and um, they put all the money in the bank. There's a tin container, like a tin box of the government bonds as well. Uh, and all in all, they end up with about $60,000. Jesus. Which in today's money is over a million. So they did good. Um, but after they get the money in the bank and stuff like that, they order the two like uh, Green Up Bird and William Bird, like get in the vault and then they close the door and run out back to their horses. Uh, what they didn't realize was that uh, just closing the vault door didn't do anything. So these guys just like push the door back open, run out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the first time it's ever happened. Like, I'll, it's, I'll a, give it's, them, the, it's the trial run. Yeah, I'll give them credit for that. Like, you don't think about that. Uh, but they, they run out and they're like robbery. And this gets the attention of a couple other guys who are on the street. And so at this point, like James's gang just starts like shooting guns in the air, which is an old guerrilla tactic to like get everybody to scatter. Mm -hmm. And then Archie Clements, uh, who loved to kill, he was just a big fan of murder uh, and would, was known for like being a loose cannon and killing for fun. Uh, there's two guys, S.H. Holmes and George Wymore. Uh, and Clemens points his gun at Holmes, uh, pulls the trigger. Uh, and misses Holmes, but like hits his jacket. So it's like, it's a close shot. And like, what the hell are you trying to do, man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, so they, they start taking off. They're like, I'm not sticking around for this. Uh, and then as they're running away, uh, Clemens goes and shoots Wymore in the back and kills him. Yeah. And this is a yellow belly. Yeah. Like they, James's plan was to not have anybody get hurt or killed. Um, like he just wanted to, to steal the money. And actually a couple days after the robbery, he sends a letter to Wymore's family apologizing for the death. And he's like, Holy I didn't, shit. he's like, I didn't mean for him to die. Uh, he was being but, a stand up dude. Yeah. He was, he was trying. Like he was I, at this point, he was still like kind of like chaotic neutral, I guess. And, uh, so he goes and, uh, sends us note and they, they know that it's Jesse James because 
he wasn't famous at the time. Yeah. Uh, so like, there's nobody like pretending to be him. It'd be like somebody pretending to be me on Instagram. Like nobody's doing that. Um, <laughs> it's so funny too. I, I like the fact that he sent the letters. Hilarious because I I can picture the conversation. Hey, cousin wife, what do you think of this here letter? Oh, that's perfect. Go ahead and send it to the people that you got involved with in their murder. Okay, that that sums it up. Yeah, pretty much. And so they they do that, and um, like I don't know what the family's reaction to it was, but he did send the letter, and that kind of like cements the fact that he planned this robbery as well. I actually have uh, some of the contents of the letter here. If oh, you guys want to, it was pretty interesting. Um, so it had the date on it that it was sent, uh, and then it just said, uh, "My bad." <laughs> so, oh you got me <laughs> a little excitement man but uh i did, wonder if that bank is still around i think it's a museum now actually because i there that, are that's... fests all over the country that celebrate some of his exploits as we're gonna yeah oh, okay. cover a little bit did you have anything else on that the robbery there because no that's the that's pretty much everything that i have on the uh on that robbery it's pretty simple like it's crazy to me to think that it took till 1860 uh 1866 to to have somebody think like oh i could just get them to give me all their money it is late in the game you think about that it one kind of is because like things are nuts like the whole time like it's not like it's not like they all of a sudden like discovered crime like nah. this was just like the first guy to but wait this was all this was jesse's idea to rob the bank yeah this is jesse's idea like it was his hometown bank it was like he he cased it he thought about everything. He's like, okay, cool. There's only like two people that usually are in in the morning. So we'll send two people small town. So we'll have like 13 to like, it made it easy. So like if they scattered, like they couldn't catch everybody. <laughs> it's uh, a pretty and good also, plan in reality. It, I mean, it honestly is like, it's, it's pretty good. Cause like, also like, who's going to, who's going to try to fight 13, 13 guys on horseback with guns? Like nobody. But it's also crazy. Cause like just that one thought we could rob the bank would just spiral into the thought process of other outlaws for years to come. Like, it's crazy. Oh, absolutely. How that hadn't happened yet. This is almost the cliche robbery in, in old Westerns and then TV and still to this day. I mean, like, if the Simpsons were doing almost, a robbery. This is the cliche robbery. Yeah. You, know, you know what this is? It's like when you, like, look at, like, modern art and you see, like, a Rothko and you're like, what kind of asshole just paints a blue square? And you're like, I could do that. Like, that's the easiest thing I've ever seen in my life. They're like, but nobody did it until until he painted the blue square and had the balls to sell it for like fifty million dollars. That's and so everybody like talks shit on <laughs> it now. Like good. it was very like simple, but like at the time it was like pretty groundbreaking. And like the way that he gets into like his his train robbery is also like very like very ingenious. Hello, Jesse, you're a pioneer. He, he kind of is. He was. Uh, it, it's weird because I, I know it's fun to, to put him into the, the dumb southern accent, but the guy's got. No, it's a very it, smart thing. Well, no, it's weird because it, it's I can't. I had mixed feelings about him uh, coming into the episode because I, I had a Wild West book as a kid that I I, it would, I would just stare at the pictures. So Jesse, obviously, you know, a lot of murder and a lot. Of, he wasn't a good guy. You know what I mean? Uh, but then there's also these weird things where it's like the, his life's almost poetic at times. And then. We realize why some of that is, too. Um, chronologically, I forget. When does this train robbery come in? Uh, the train robbery is 1873. 1870. So that's a little bit. All right. Let me. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let me set up one piece here, and then I'm going to throw right back to you if that's cool. Perfect. I'm excited, buddy. That was killer, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, Frank and Jesse are going to remain part of the Clements crew here. Uh, but one interesting thing about uh, old Archie Clements, 
uh, we're going to have this feud with the governor of Missouri that's going to kick off right now. Okay. Archie Clements is harassing the Republican office holders and the federal troops that are in Missouri. The governor calls in for more support from the federal government, right? Uh, which that that's a, a tricky one too, where it's like, uh, we just settled this war. Now more federal troops are coming in. That's going to make some of the people who were Southern sympathizers who maybe were passive sympathizers. That's going to radicalize them because they're like, I don't want fucking troops in my town. This is, you know, you try to put yourself in the people's uh, shoes a little bit if you can. Yeah. Um, but so the governor's calling in for more people here. And then on election day, this is how ballsy little Archie Clements is. Archie shows up uh, in Lexington on election day, right? And just presents himself. It's, hey guys, it's me, little Archie Clements. Picture him as Joe Pesci, if you can. <laughs> right? He's sitting there, he's got a, a toothpick in his mouth. He goes, what the fuck are you gonna do about it? And the state militia shoots him in the head. <laughs> So uh, it was supposed to be a ballsy thing, but the militia winds up killing him. But he doesn't die right away either. Like, <laughs> like they shoot him and he like gets back on his horse and like tries to ride off. They shoot him again um, and he like falls off his horse like old Western movie style. He's like, ah, like the water tower, but with a horse. And then like they cl start closing in on him and he's like trying, like he's still trying to fight back. Like at this point, like they find him and he's trying to cock his revolver with his teeth. And then they're like, well, what are you, uh, and they're like, Archie, what are you trying what are you, to do here, man? What are you doing? Like, like stop it's it. over for you. Relax. Yeah. And that's, that's basically what they say. And he's like, I did everything I said I was going to do. I'd die before I surrender. And then he did die. Uh, but that governor ended up like saying, cause like, you can't, it's like, you, you can hate the guy, but you have to like admire like parts of him. And so <laughs> like his ballsiness. Like, yeah. Like, cause he said, he's like, uh, there goes a man. Like I've never seen stronger grit on a man alive. Like, so like true grit, like, I know you mentioned that if like, he is the grittiest of fucking a, he's a wild dude, man. He, uh, uh, his death, by the way, pissed off Jesse because Jesse wrote about it 10 years later and was still angry about it. Um, now this is uh, an interesting part here. Some historians don't like the lack of, uh, proof of some of the stuff that, uh, this James voice get to be involved in. Cause as Pete just set us up for people started saying they were Jesse James or, they would misremember. So like, I think it was Jesse James. Remember that bank robbery a couple of years? Yeah, that was, now that I think of it, that was Jesse James came through here. Oh, by the way, I will sell you um, hairs that came off of uh, Jesse James's horse right here in my barber shop. You know, ignore the fact I don't have a beard anymore. These are Jesse James's horse's hairs. I and, love uh, how novelties like that could be, you could get away with that in the times. Oh yeah. There's no way you could prove it or disprove it. It's going to be great. Man. I, I love that shit. <laughs> Well, uh, Jesse's known, by the way, uh, he, he develops the, there's this weird thing they try to set up for him. So uh, as stated earlier, that was his hometown bank that he robbed. So uh, this idea that he's presenting himself a little bit as uh, the robber of the people, like I'm the Robin Hood type thing here. Uh, and his, he's writing, by the way, we're gonna, I'll cover the exact uh, name in the publication later. But he's, this is how smart Jesse James, remember, right? Like you doing the, the sister cousin thing. It's very funny to make him Cletus from The Simpsons. But then you see how smart this guy was big picture wise. He's writing like political essays that are getting published by the papers that he's sending off to. And then certain papers, as I'm going to, you know what, I'll just say it. It was uh, the one paper was the, um, the Kansas City Times and a, uh, a newspaper uh, writer by the name of John Newman Edwards decided that he was going to work with Jesse James to create a sympathetic, compassionate figure out of him because he also was a Confederate sympathizer 
and they were writing these uh, almost glowing reviews of like, the James boys pulled off a robbery today. They robbed those dirty bastards. I mean, you're those dirty bastards, but they were doing it for you. Like if they, <laughs> it, they divided by zero on logic. But it sells a good story. It sells a paper. I mean, yeah, he he gets a lot of like he basically gets the first PR man uh, for his uh, for his crimes. I want and, a picture of Spider Man, damn it! Yeah, kind of, <laughs> uh, and it, it works like really well for him. And uh, one of the things, oh, hold on, I lost my train of thought. That's well, I jumped time wise. Well, that's my fault. So no, that's that's fine. I. But yeah, this this reporter like basically is his fanboy for the rest of his life. And he starts saying like basically he like tries to recreate the legend of Robin. Hood. He's like, well, he steals from the rich and gives to the poor, even though there's like zero evidence that he ever mm -hmm. gave a cent to anybody. Nope. But a lot of people like get misinformed and they mm -hmm. they think, oh, he's he's a good guy. Uh, so it gets it gets like very blurry. Like they start like really like painting with watercolors and all the lines start blurring together. <laughs> I think uh, the year now, if I have it right, 1869, this is where some shit gets nice. bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesse uh, will shoot and kill an unarmed bank cashier because he falsely believed him to be the man who shot and killed his mentor, Bloody Bill Anderson, during the war. Only problem is Jesse's got the wrong guy. Oof. So following this murder, just a cold-blooded murder at that point, in which Jesse is you know, saying, well, I, it was me taking revenge. Him and his brother then engaged in a gunfight with a posse in town and were able to escape. This makes the headlines. And the PR man, to, to borrow your term, uh, Edwards of the Kansas City Times, he spins it, right? So he goes, uh, oh, Jesse James got revenge, uh, blah, blah, blah. And uh, him and his uh, brother made a daring escape through town. Meanwhile, the governor, uh, Thomas Crittenden, declares the James brothers as official outlaws. So they were already outlaws because they didn't turn their guns in at the end of the war. Now you're double secret outlaws. Um, and they put a reward on Jesse's head. Uh, and it's hard to tell between the newspaper coverage or the governor putting the price on his head, which one of those makes Jesse James more famous. But here he is. He's he stole the spotlight from Frank. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, he's he's eating it up at this point. Like at this point, like Ben Affleck has written Goodwill Hunting and is, <laughs> uh, is the, uh, the more famous of the brothers. Uh, and they, they commit a lot of like tons of robberies. Like I, I, I can't even get into like all of them. I, re I really only prepared like the, uh, the Clay County one and then the train one, because those are, I would say his two biggest and most influential. Yeah, uh, hit the, go ahead with the train robbery one if you want to now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and none of them are as successful as the Clay County one, like $60,000, a million dollars in today's money. Like you can't beat that. So he set the bar too high for himself. He, he like did. If you like have a, a pickup line that works. You're going to use that pickup line again, even though, you know, because yeah. in your mind, you're like, but it worked last time. <laughs> like a million dollar shot. Yeah. Like you go home with Kate Upton and then like, you're going to use the same line the next day like <laughs> on whoever's going to listen to it. And so a lot of times he's getting, you know, 500 bucks here, $700 there, which is, at the time, still pretty good. Like, it's still sometimes tens you could of thousands. Survive or... off that for months. Oh yeah, years. Absolutely. Um, but like, this is this is maybe like another. This is a another like good showcase. Like, he has a very good crime brain. So in uh, in eighteen seventy three, July twenty first, uh, Jesse and his gang uh, going just outside of Adair, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, and this is like, this is the other thing is they're going all around the country at this point. Like, so they're not just sticking to Missouri. And that's like one of the reasons they're able to do this as long as they can. Um, and so uh, they go and like Jesse had like studied the train schedules and 
like that's that's the thing about trains is like they're always on time or they're supposed to be like not not if you live in like the tri-state area but like in theory <laughs> trains are supposed to be like pretty timely that's how you know i grew up here i do not trust mass transit <laughs> when i was in korea like the trains were like so punctual that if a train ran more than two minutes late the conductors would go through and give everybody tickets so that they could um that they could like give it to work and be like, yeah, it was the train ran like more than two minutes late. No shit. Yeah, like it's insanely efficient. Um, <laughs> and so Jesse like knew that there was like a, a train with like a lot of gold and things like that. And he knew that it traveled this track at this time. And so he sets basically sets an ambush for it on July 21st, 1873. Uh, and what he and his uh, what he and his gang do uh, was they found a like a blind corner in the tracks, like just a big bend. Uh, and they start loosening up the tracks. Oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, like, I mean, people die, but like, it's kind of cool. Um, and so they, they, uh, like start loosening up the tracks and then they tie a rope to the tracks and kind of like hide in the bushes. And as this train like starts going and approaching this bend, they pull the rope, which like, Pulls the rail. Yeah, pulls the rail off. <laughs> and then the train, like, basically just, like, hits this blind corner, can't drift because it's a train, and topples over. So the uh, the engine car of the train, like, completely, like, flips over, and I think the conductor and an engineer die. Uh, it killed the engineer and badly injured another guy. Jesus. But the rest of the cars just stop. And this is, this is a pretty good-sized train that... I think there were eight cars total. So there were a couple passenger cars, a couple couple cargo cars. Were they filled? Like were there people on the train that were like, this was Jesse James and his gang? Or yeah, what? there were there were people on the on the train. Um and J just to let you know too, Jesse's so famous at this time that the gang, when they're pulling off some of these uh robberies, are to the point of almost doing it with pageantry. <laughs> where it's like that that, that Mulaney joke. You let them know it was the James Younger gang. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you have the honor of being robbed by the Jesse James gang today. <laughs> we'll be stealing your money and your valuables, but know that you had the pleasure of being in my presence. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it is. And uh, but Jesse had made a miscalculation. Like he had the right train, he had the right uh, the right time and stuff like that. But this wasn't the train carrying all the gold. Uh, oh, you got yeah. kidding me! It wasn't as full as it should have been, um, and they only. Uh, they like open up the the car with all the the money, and it's only about two thousand dollars in cash and gold, which is still a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of effort for that, though, yeah. compared to yeah, the, uh, Kansas City. Uh, but the the guys are like disappointed um, with the haul, and so they decide to to do it all greats do. They don't let it get them down, and they just go to the passenger cars and stick everybody up. They're like, "Give us your money too," which I kind of love. It reminds me of uh, the scene in Pulp Fiction when. Uh, uh, yeah, Smooth. they're going to rob everyone's wallets because they'll get twice as much money from the wallets. So it was, uh, I love you, honey bun. Um, so that's, that part's just brilliant on that one. It is. And like, it, like despite the, the modest haul that they end up getting from it, uh, it, it shocks the public because they're like, this man like threw a train off the tracks. And <laughs> bit, of, bit of a legend. Yeah. And it like really cements his legend. And uh, did you ever try that again? <laughs> He didn't, but like this really started like a lot of big train robberies. Yeah, um, like this is where you get like the old, old cliches of like the guys like blowing the bridge and stuff like that. Like, yeah, uh, because they they figured out that like if you could stop a train, like you can get all the money. And there's 
actually other like really cool train robberies that I'm going to cover in a couple weeks nice. uh, that, that borrow from this a lot. Like he, he really did like pioneer a lot of, a lot of like crazy criminal concepts. Was that same one? It was Adair. You said, did I have that right? Yes. Adair. Okay. A-D-A-I-R. Is that the same one that he had? Uh, Cause him and the, the boys, they donned some famous masks once. For, oh yeah. Uh, this is the white, uh, this is the white handkerchiefs around the face. Ah, uh, which I think people, th- there was a rumor that it might've been, um, looking like Ku Klux Klan masks, right? Uh, this one, I think, was just bandanas. Okay. But there there was probably a different, different he, one with the Klan masks. He had a career of uh, worth of robberies and stuff. So that's I didn't have any of that info, man. That was fucking awesome. That's <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy to, like, learn about. Because, again, like, you would think, like, I always, like, before, like, researching this one, I always thought that, like, this happened all the time in the Old West. Like, train robberies and stagecoaches and stuff like that. Uh, but nobody had ever taken the train off the tracks and, and really like done this until Jesse James did it. When he got um, and the gang, too, by the way, which we said earlier was the James Younger gang. So you got the, the like we said, uh, you're um, you're getting the, the, the baddest sets of brothers from a couple of different states and territories coming together now. Um, it's the James Younger gang. They try to be the younger James gang. But I mean, that didn't really work out. Um, but the, uh, the younger brothers, by the way, no, it, it gets confusing with the terminology here, but the younger brothers, uh, that are joining up with Frank and Jesse James, uh, are, uh, the following names. You have Cole, John, Jim, Bob, uh, those are the younger brothers, along with, uh, Clell Miller and Christian Cordez. Those are the, uh, the, the Confederate Raiders that go on to rob banks. Okay. There were actually 14 different younger kids, Holy which shit. is insane. Well, they, they, <laughs> that's quite the family over there. It really is. That's a fan. I uh, see. Kahuna is making a face. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, Newman would ensure that the uh, the James gang, this publicist here, they keep getting seen in a positive light despite all this wild shit. Like, yeah, they're robbing train passengers, too. There were other times when they let the people go and then they hammed it up like, uh, you know, to a degree. It's like, we're here for the bank's money, not your money. Wait a minute. My money is the bank's money. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah and. At this point, too, like um, you'd mentioned John Newman Edwards before. Mm-hmm. After this train robbery, he writes a 20 page, like basically just Jesus. like a 20 page ball cupping of like the James <laughs> brothers and just like how great they are. And it was just like an insert in his uh, in his paper, the St. Louis Dispatch. Dude, all right, that's man. Could you I, I've never gotten a. Uh... I once got uh, called a, a jovial host in a, a write-up once. I got that, <laughs> so that's not bad. But um, I'll I've, tell you, go ahead. I've just gotten local man. <laughs> local man's pretty solid, though, dude. Um, local man. The, uh, uh, the publicity, the fanfare, and the spoils are uh, starting to get a little bit out of hand here, so it's time to bring in some muscle to handle these, uh, these James Younger boys. Enter, uh, as we've covered on the show before, uh, Alan Pinkerton and his Pinkerton Detective Agency. Uh, for those who don't know, Pinkertons are basically a private police force that could be on the... They had a wide range of uh, different things they were involved with. One week, they could be on the trail of a murderer, you know, trying to preserve society. And the next week, they could be, luff- uh, you know, beating the shit out of labor strike, guys. So definitely <laughs> yeah. not a, a... Not a bunch you want to mess with. Sympathetic based on uh, the dollars and bills uh, involved, you know what I mean? Yeah. But... Uh, so they send off um, a couple of people to go take a look into the gang here. They have somebody who's trying to infiltrate the, the James Brothers farm. Uh, they got people that are cozying up to some of the younger family members. 
you know, uh, they get dispatched to deal with this gang. They find little success and sometimes early graves. Several agents die in gunfights with the gang or get a load of this. Sometimes their supporters in the area are ratting them out. That's how much support this local gang has. Damn. You know? Think of it this way, if you can, for a, a modern political, uh, not a, a modern pop culture reference. If you think of it as when the townspeople liked uh, Sons of Anarchy um, because they were keeping... Uh, they were keeping the peace kind of to a degree. It's something like that. We're like, yeah, these are bad guys, but we trust how bad they are. If that makes sense. It's, it's a devil, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's like what Escobar did in Colombia. Ooh, fucking international loser this week, baby. <laughs> um, and, and like being pursued by the Pinkertons who are, who like, like you said, like busted union strikes and were like, no such like they would throw like pipe bombs in people's windows and that stuff happened. like that. Um, and so this, this kept it moving a lot. So they went from, uh, Huntington, West Virginia, they set up in uh, Nashville in like 1875 and they're moving around a lot, trying to, uh, trying to like save their mom from further raids by the detectives too. Like they're trying to, just to give context to that, if I may, um, th there's a thing where you go too far with something. So if you're looking at it, you're saying there's a ruthless outlaw gang out there and the Pinkertons are coming in to handle them. If you're a person who just wants peace and quiet, you might side with the Pinkertons. Until you hear that Alan Pinkerton gets so angry at the idea that a couple of his agents have been killed that he orders them to firebomb the James farm, uh, which kills Frank and Jesse's younger brother and then literally blows their mother's arm clean off. So now they have a one armed mother that they're trying to you know, get around the country with, like Pete's setting us up for here. If you weren't supporting the James boys yet, you probably are now. You're like, why? Why would he ever trust the government? Why? His, his stepdaddy got hanged by him. He's been chased by him his whole life. And now they came and done blown his mama's arm off. <laughs> and and they're younger, like their stepbrother or half brother. Uh, he was only eight when they killed him. Yeah. Good point. Like, so like it's. it's so there's valid reasons and valid and valid ammunition for why this dude is so anti. Oh, and absolutely. Why he, and why he's seen as like such a public hero. Absolutely. Like it's like, I don't like to like draw that comparison all the time, but like when we were in Afghanistan, like. We weren't always like there's no way we were always seen as the good guys like we we tried to do stuff but if you're like if an army comes in and like is occupying your land and like ever since they've been there like things are blowing up and yeah. family members are going missing and dying and things like that like i don't like it's weird to say like because i'm i'm not like a taliban sympathizer but i absolutely understand like because if it, if it happened to me like if the taliban like came to like new york city and started hanging out like i would absolutely start fighting against them Oh yeah, you, you know what it is, Pete. You have empathy, you fucking asshole. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you're one of the good guys. That's that's why I got out. They're like, stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's enough of that out of you, pal. <laughs> um, no, but that's a so again, they're bouncing all over the place. Like you said here, the geography is intense on this. Um, they got uh, Missouri still a hotbed of support for the gang. Uh, literally, this is how nuts this is. Remember, I said earlier that the Confederates, former Confederates, were not allowed to hold office or really vote on stuff. Yeah. Well, that has passed now. You have to bring them back into the nation here. You got to kind of heal the wounds and try to bring everybody together, which means a lot of shitty compromises, which means that the guys who had a punitive action against them where they weren't allowed to vote, uh, they're now being brought back in, that they're, they have to bring them into the fold. And one of the things they almost immediately, they're so close that uh, they almost pass an amnesty bill for giving Frank and Jesse for all their crimes. Really? It barely doesn't pass. So that's how popular these boys are over in Missouri, but... Which is, which is pretty crazy. 
Uh, and this this kind of sets the stage too for like the final, like the last act of the James Younger game. Hell yeah, all you brother. This all is right. uh, we, we, oddly we don't mean to be doing this, but a lot of our topics have been taking place in Minnesota lately. Uh, <laughs> we got something very interesting cooking. Yeah, so this is uh, the famous Northfield, Minnesota raid. Uh, and this is September 7th, my mom's birthday, uh, 1876. So like two years before she was born. And uh, the target was the first national bank of Northfield. Um, and that, like this Republican was, senator owned the bank or something, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, okay. it was a Republican senator. Um, basically, there were like a lot of reports that General Albert or Adelbert Ames. Um, what a name. Who was like who's like the son of like a rich owner of a mill in Ames uh, had deposited $50,000 there. So they were basically acting on the Intel that there was at least $50,000 plus everybody else's money. It's a good time to, to be getting ready to get involved with all this one here. I think that was, so it's 1876 you said, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, they're getting ready to have this bank robbery over in uh, Minnesota. Um, and, uh, I'll tell you what, I can actually, if you're, if you got the research on it, go ahead and, and dive oh, in. Go go ahead if you want. Okay. I got to stop me when I'm wrong here, but uh, this one was later remembered by, uh, I think it was Cole Younger said it, that he goes, we were desperate men and we took a chance and we lost kind of a thing. Yeah. So it's not the well-planned out. Um, it, they took, definitely, it could have worked out beautifully for him, but this was not the, uh, the carefully laid plans of uh, some of the earlier endeavors of the, the gang. Yeah, that is that is true. And uh, General Ames was the former governor of Mississippi. Oh, OK. All and right. so he moved he moved north after uh, after that. And yeah, and this is, I guess, from like a cr crime standpoint, um, if you wanted to compare them to serial killers, this is like where they enter like their berserker mode. And like they plan the first couple and then like the, the bloodthirst is just too much and they they start making mistakes and get this is sorry. where people turn into hats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, shit, man. They uh, uh, take me through it, by the way, because I have info, and then I, uh, the big thing is I, I followed Frank and Jesse for my research, so I have what happens to them post incident. But if you had more details, I want them. Yeah, and and part of this too, like uh, the fact that they were like targeting Ames was because one of the one of the younger brothers had a a spite against Ames, like he had felt like he had been slighted by him in the past, and like they knew who he was because one of the uh, Cole younger said. Uh, that he recalled, like, greeting General Ames on the street, like, just before the robbery. He's like, General? And, Jesus. Yeah. Which is which is pretty nuts. Um, so not, they, the, not the best greeting we're going to have in this story, because the final greeting that we have is, is pretty epic, but General is still pretty damn yeah, good. Yeah, like, tipping the old hat. And then at 2 o'clock, they start trying to rob the bank. So they go in, uh, but... At this point, like Northfield residents had already seen the gang because they would they'd been getting drunk at a restaurant across the street and like eating fried eggs. Uh, so it's like if you see like a bunch of dudes like drunk at an IHOP and then they're like, oh, these guys are up to no good because it's two in the afternoon. Jesus. Uh, and they go and they could like smell like at the trial, like people testified, like how much alcohol they could smell on them, <laughs> which is also not a great. Uh, don't get drunk before you commit a crime is the. Or if you're going to get drunk, just, you know, chill. I'm, I'm going to throw Mind this your out there. Own business. This is, this is my rule. Like, you can do with it what you want. Only commit one crime at a time. Oh, all right. Like, because that's when it starts getting messy. Listen to Uncle Pete, kids. He's got your best interest at heart. <laughs> and so three of the outlaws, uh, Bob Younger, uh, Frank James, and Charlie Pitts, uh, they cross the bridge by the Ames Mill and enter the bank. Uh, the other five, which is Jesse James, 
uh, Cole and Jim Younger, Ben Style or Bill Styles and Clell Miller uh, stood guard outside. Uh, and as the uh, basically they're standing outside the front door waiting for the other ones to uh, to guard the game's escape route. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically they said, get your gun, boys. They're uh, they're robbing the bank. And so then the town people like started arming up and a huge gunfight ensues. Like GTA three, five star gunfight. Oh God. It's It's insane. And like, so several, like a lot of citizens like took up arms. Like there was a local hardware store and the guys just like literally just like handing people guns as they like run by. It's the most American thing that I can, (laughs) that I can think of. Uh, But they start shooting like from behind cover and like pouring like really concentrated fire on all the outlaws. Uh, During the gun battle, a medical student named Henry Wheeler kills Miller. Um, Shooting. And he's shooting from like a third floor, like window of the hotel. So like, this is nuts. Like this is like old West movie. All like, hell is broken loose. Yeah. Like there's def- hit the fan. Definitely a dude that's about to go, ah, and like fall off the water tower. I already <laughs> made that joke, but this happens. Hey, man, it fits. It fits. The Wilhelm uh, scream. This is where it comes into play. Exactly. Uh, and then other other civilians, because it's basically like they've never fought like a whole army or militia of they've never had to fight a whole town before. No, that this I'm trying to think of uh, something to compare it to, but. The one that popped in my mind was uh, the botched one in um, uh, Public Enemies when uh, it, they realized that it was almost a trap kind of a thing. Oh, but, yeah. But the, the whole town's fighting back against them now. And uh, these boys are going to have to get out of here. They've they got to spring into action to try to save their asses today. So you came into town looking for a little money. Now you're just hoping to get out alive. Yeah, which but, is I would love to see a movie just on this. Oh, uh, uh, Just on this one event. They couldn't believe that because there is an accurate movie. We do a segment at the very end of the episode called Casting Couch. And if you have to get out of here. Oh, yeah. No, I'm good. Okay, We're going to wrap to briefly. But um, we do a segment at the end called Casting Couch. So if you want to start thinking, Pete, who you would cast in some of the the major roles here, I would love to bounce your ideas off of uh, the kahunas here at the end. Perfect. Um, But uh, so that pretty much is, as you said, the high watermark of the James Younger gang. Definitely. uh, that it takes about two weeks afterwards, if I remember correctly, but um, two weeks after there's a, a big gunfight um, that takes place. A manhunt party finds a bunch of the remnants of the gang. And after this, uh, that particular gunfight wraps up, you take into account people that were killed during the robbery itself. And then the guys captured by the, the manhunt party. Uh, the only members of the James Younger gang standing are give me one guess, Cones. Of the, of the, which the James party? Younger gang. There's only two boys left standing. Who oh, do you just think the it's James Brothers. You know it. Yeah. So, yep. Now it's just the James gang, Joe Walsh. Um, but uh, they're uh, they're not killed or captured. The two wind up laying low in Tennessee under uh, aliases for the next couple of years. Jesse is now married and also a father by now, and he's not quite the angry 16-year-old that set off to wage a one-man war. They still lugging around one-armed mama? Uh, she may have passed by this time. I don't recall. I should have looked. Her name was Zerelda, which I thought was an interesting name. That's a good name. name. Yeah, that's not bad at all, man. Um, Zarella, Zarella. Anything you have, Pete, jump in. Oh, I was just going to say, like, that this was, like, such an event, too, that, like, Northfield, Minnesota still celebrates yep. every year the defeat of Jesse James Day. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, see, I would like to go to that festival. I would like to go to that, too. Like, I, I wanted, I've always wanted to go to, like, Dixie Stampede in, uh, like, do you know what that is? No. Um, so Dolly, it's actually Dolly Parton owns it, which is, I think, even funnier. 
but it's like in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, like in the Smoky Mountains, there's a couple okay. couple good like battle uh, battlefields and stuff like that in the area as well. I know Gatlinburg is a pretty popular tourist destination, right? Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like Tennessee, Las Vegas, I guess. Nice. A little bit. Like I don't know if there's casinos. But Dolly Parton owns this restaurant called Dixie Stampede, which is basically medieval times with the Civil War. And you have to sit what? in either the blue side or the or the gray side. And then like they they fight it out and stuff like that. Nice. Um, and it's it's kind of weird. Like I don't think it's it's not long for this world anymore, but it's it's run for like 30 years. Cause like they they like explicitly like don't mention like slavery. And they, they call it like the struggle of, and like try to make it all like Dolly Parton, like folksy and homey and stuff like that. Right. Uh, so I've wanted to go there for years, but now I kind of would rather go to this because I feel like if you had like a reenactment where like people are like just going nuts for. Yeah. You don't have to choose a side on this one either. You can just be like, listen, I'm here to see some shit. Exactly. It's <laughs> a good UFC fight, man. That's like when uh, when Couture uh, started pulling off upsets, you know, Um but uh, as we start to wrap up over here, too, um, again, anything else you have, I want to make sure we use all your research because I, I want your listeners to feel like they got the, their full episode. No, too. definitely. I, I'm pretty much tapped on uh, the stuff that I researched at this point. I do way more diligent than I would have done it. So I'm glad you were here, dude. Thanks. Dude. Um, so still with this outlaw price on his head, Jesse oddly takes to this quieter life. All right. He's, he's kind of digging it. Uh, he's, he's, he's a homie boy. You know what I mean? Now he's got... Uh, he likes to sit around, maybe, uh, you know, spruce up the place a little bit, play with the kids. Uh, but for protection, he remains armed at all times and asks a former associate and his younger brother to move in with his family for protection. These brothers are known as the Ford brothers, Robert and Charlie. Uh, Charlie had ridden with Jesse in the past, so he knew he could trust them. And young Bob Ford was very eager to join him. So it uh, turns out, uh, unfortunate thing about Bob, Kahuna, you want to guess what it is? Short temper? Uh, possibly. Um it's it's always weird when the person you invite in to uh, protect you uh, is also actively plotting with the governor to have you killed. Ah, we have a Selena fan club president situation. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> uh, dude! My buddy Tim Rich, uh, a Navy buddy of mine, he's gonna go nuts for that because he's always telling me he goes, "Because uh, I'm so proud of your stand-up career. Just you're getting so much closer to me having to kill you." <laughs> <laughs> but. Turns out oh. Bob's plotting with Governor Crittenden the entire time for the, uh, I'm going to say, quote, capture of Jesse James because they want to capture him so they can, quote, bring him <laughs> to justice. Right. Uh, not going to go down that way. Uh, on April 3rd, 1882, Jesse over breakfast sitting around with the, the Ford boys, you know, kids are around, stuff like that. Jesse seems to have figured out that the Ford brothers were up to no good. Right. They tipped their hat. There was information that Jesse got from the paper. He's trying to figure out why the Ford brothers haven't told him about. And it's almost like he realized he was betrayed. And this is where, like, depending on which part of the mythos you want to go with with Jesse James, this is where uh, our hero uh, stands up, takes his revolvers out, places them down on uh, the nightstand, and then uh, walks away knowing he's been betrayed, almost like Jesus entering the garden after he knows Judas has betrayed him. And uh, then our hero, Jesse James, then stands up on a, a chair, right, or a stool, depending on uh, which version you're looking at, uh, because he notices that there's a picture frame hanging on the wall that's a little dusty and a little crooked. So he steps up onto the stool in order to clean it off with his back turned to those who have just betrayed him, and Bob Ford takes out his revolver and blasts Jesse in the back of the fucking head. 
right behind the ear. Yep. And there was Damn. nothing we could do about it, just like Pesci and Goodfellas. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like if if you were to describe this like in a movie, I'd be like, this is a bit on the nose. But <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy how that uh, how that happens and how he just kind of it's almost over the top. You're right, because they uh, they kill him. He actually gets identified by uh, I think it was his uh, his chest wounds and a missing chunk of one of his fingers. Um, and uh, so this is wild here. So he d- gets killed April 3rd, 1882. The house is immediately a mob scene. People are sitting there. They want to see the house Jesse James got murdered in. Um, the two brothers immediately go seeking their reward. And you want to talk about having your day in court. You know, th- I thought this was worth noting. The media is all over the death. Um, the Ford brothers go to turn themselves in looking for their reward. The brothers instead quickly find themselves arrested put on trial, found guilty, sentenced to death by hanging, and then get pardoned by the governor all in one day. What? What a roller coaster. That's a mixture of emotions, man. That's like, uh, you know, I don't quite know what I, I, I have nothing to compare it to. Because, you know, you think, hey, today's my lucky day. I just cashed in. Big. Oh, shit. I'm going to, well, there's no way they're going to stop. I'm going to die. <gasps> I've been pardoned. Okay. <laughs> So Jesus. it gets pretty intense, man. The pardon, though, from the governor, it made it very obvious that Governor Crittenden had plotted this the entire time. So it's that weird thing of like, uh, you know, you, you killed a bad guy, but you did it in a dishonorable way. So it, the supporters of Jesse James are going to say, oh, that bastard governor. And then people who wanted Jesse James dead were like, I don't care how it had to happen. That boy had to go. So um I'm preparing now for our Animal House uh, type send off. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Kahuna? At the end of Animal House, when they, the, the print pops up on the screen, we got some good stuff here. But oh, well, you make me want to <laughs> But before we wrap up and go over to the casting couch, uh, I want to ask uh, Pete: You have anything else you want to say before we wrap, brother? No, I think I think you did a good job of covering it. This is a lot likewise, of fun. Likewise, man, uh, and you do have a great podcast. So I hope that uh, listeners of Loser. We'll go ahead and check out I Can Steal That, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, everything else, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's available iTunes, SoundCloud, like anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, you can go directly to ICanStealThat.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at I Can Steal That. And I will also implore my listeners to listen to American Loser. It is <laughs> amazing. Like, I, I love the history, like, because you cover, like, a lot of rich topics, like, I love like the Edgar Casey episode and that was fun. Uh, I'm forgetting his name now, but it was the like the dude was nuts. Um, he like sold like basically embezzled his own war memorial. Oh, fund. Dan Sickles. Yeah, Dan yeah. Sickles. That's, like, like our... that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. He, I think he's the official mascot of American Loser. He but, sets uh... the benchmark because we also have a loser scale that we use kind of loosely every once okay. in a while. So like Sickles is the bell curve. Yeah, <laughs> but. Look at this bastard. He's got a website, too. But uh, definitely check that one out. Also, uh, Pete, plug social media for you. Because so, you're a very funny comic, dude. People should check Thank you out. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you can find me uh, just on YouTube at Pete Stegmeier. Uh, definitely subscribe. I'm going to try to be putting some more stuff out there. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Peter J. Uh, also on Instagram at Pete Stegmeier. Facebook, Pete Stegmeier. Not that hard to find. Nice, dude. 
And uh, always good to have more veterans on the show. So thank you for thank coming you. on, dude. Thank you. Of course. Um, I'm going to hit our Animal House type send off. Then I want to do Casting Couch and we're out of here. But, do um, you want me to play Shout while you... while you Almost. What was the song they played at the very end when everything's rolling up? When, when you find out uh, Belushi's a senator now? <laughs> oh my God, I love that. I love the whole ending of that movie. Well, it's you're going to love this then, I think. so. Uh, and our Animal House type send off will include... Uh, Charlie Ford, the brother of Bob, who, you know, took part in the assassination, would go on to commit suicide amid a deep morphine addiction. Frank James would later surrender and then live out his days peacefully, giving tours of the James family home for 25 cents a person, then later toured the lecture circuits, making a profitable sum honorably alongside members of the recently freed from prison younger gang. That's amazing. Oh, dude, I love that line, too. Uh, Jesse James would be portrayed in films by the likes of Henry Fonda, Johnny Cash, Robert Duvall, Chris Christopherson, Colin Farrell, and most recently, Brad Pitt. In music, he is referenced by uh, the Sugar Hill Gang, Scarface, The Pogues, Bob Dylan, Joe Walsh, Johnny Cash, Lead Belly, Cher. I was hoping you were going to mention Cher. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Dude. Oh, it's a great song. Which one was it? It's it's called Jesse James. She's like, just like Jesse James. <laughs> and I like that one because like, uh, this is like going to be a Long Island rant for a second. Do it. But, um, God, uh, hold on. How can I forget his name? Mr. Long Island, uh, the singer. Billy Joel. Billy Joel, yes. Billy Joel. He has a song called The Ballad of Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid, yeah. And he has to like, it's a fine song. Like, because it starts out like very biographical about Billy the Kid. But then like at the end, and I hate this so much. (laughs) Like he decides, he's like, oh, I got to tie this to Long Island. And it's like, Oyster Bay, kid with a six pack or like whatever he does. And I'm like, you don't need to bring Long Island into every fucking song you do. Like, you would do that to, like, happy birthday. You'd be like, happy birthday, Massapequa. <laughs> like, and I hate it. Like, so Jesse James is the superior song. I would agree with that, too. It's like, uh, uh, I think Attell had the great joke. Uh, it, um, it was, uh, what's the name of that song that Bruce Springsteen does about how the working class guy gets screwed over in Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Uptown Girl. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and then finally, uh, this one is my absolute favorite here. Uh, oh, yeah. And Bob Ford. Well, in 1892, Bob Ford was operating a tent saloon out in Colorado when a man named Edward O'Kelly walked into the tent and said, Hi, Bob, then emptied both barrels of his shotgun into Bob Ford's neck, <laughs> killing him instantly. O'Kelly was arrested. So but now get this, too. So this is Bob Ford who shot Jesse James in the back of the head. Uh, and now this uh, O'Kelly guy has been arrested and he is sentenced to 18 years in jail, of which he will only serve nine thanks to a petition signed by over 7,000 people who said he was just getting revenge for Jesse James. That's pretty amazing. Uh, so I'd say oh. we'll start off with uh, the Cahoons over here. You heard the names of some of the people that have already played him, but if you had to cast Frank and Jesse James in a movie, you would go. I actually have a whole troop cast built for you, KP. Hit me, brother. So oh, this is exciting. We're gonna... I love when he turns the TV off. It's so like he's gonna... pulling back a curtain for everybody. <laughs> so we're going to start because I really wanted to cast Bloody Bill. Because I think that was kind of cool to start off with. I like so it. So we're going to go Billy Bob Thornton. Just because I think that that would be just a cool ass image. Nice. Because he kills it in anything he's in. So we're just going to be go with that. would be great at that. So for the, for the, for Jesse and Frank, Frank is his brother's name, right? Correct. Frank's Frank. the older brother. So for Jesse, I'm going to go Scott Eastwood. Ooh. Oh, that's a good. So for Jesse, I'm going Scott Eastwood. 
for Frank, I'm going Taylor Kish. I just watched him in uh, this crazy ass Waco movie on Netflix, and he oh, killed. They look it. like brothers too. That's good. That so is good. that's uh, who Taylor I would... Kish. Great in True Detective season two. Underrated season. So that's who I would cast as the the James brothers, and then just for shits and giggles, because I really thought it'd be kind of funny. Christopher Mintz Plaz as Archie Clemens. <laughs> McLovin? Miss McLovin. Is- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can beat that. This might be his best one. I, he's showing off for you, Pete. That's what <laughs> and what's crazy, like, like Archie Clemens was like, so I think he died. And also Bloody Bill, like, died. They were like 25. Jesus. They were, they were kids. Like, and uh, a fun fact about Bloody Bill, he had a rope with him where he would tie a knot every time that he killed somebody. And he would, uh, like when he died, he had 57 knots tied Holy in this rope. Shit. And he was like 25 years old. Okay. Which, so now that would also change my, my casting. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was only 25, but I don't know who now. now I, I say go with Billy Bob Thornton. I think he's a great, but yeah, that's who I pick is the James brothers. I think that make a cool movie. Uh, that was, that's one of your home runs on the casting couch right there. Um, Pete, if you have anything, say it. If not, no pressure, dude. Oh man, who's uh, burying motherfuckers today? I'm I'm gonna say I what want, you got. I want a female reboot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I you want it directed by Paul Feig. No, I want it directed by Sandra Bullock so she can get revenge on her ex-husband, Ooh. motorcycle Jesse James, and it's just gonna be. So Sandra Bullock is uh, Bob Ford in this, then, right? Yeah, Sandra Bullock. I like is, that. Is Bob Ford. Uh, I'm gonna say, actually, no. If I have to, if I have to do this traditional, uh, God damn it! I, I need to find a way. Kurt Russell's in it. Like he made the yeah. movie for sure. He's gonna be. He can be uh, General Ames. I like it. I like it because then he could be like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> well, you know, if this was 1970 or the 70s, just in general, Kurt Russell Young could make an an amazing Bloody Bill. He would be a great because, like, coming off a of snake Pliskin. What? What'd you say, Bloody Bill? Call me Snake. <laughs> <laughs> I would have it be. I would have this movie directed by John Carpenter. It'd be great. Because oh, uh, yeah. he always First wanted Western to... with a synthesizer in it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, man. I do want to grab out of here because we got to get Pete back to New York City. I got to go let my dog out, and uh, Ming is about to kick me out of this place. Uh, that being said, thank you to the Kahuna. Thank you to Mike and Ming at a shared universe. Pete Stegmeier, thank you so much. Yeah, thank bro. you Come so on. much for having me. This was KP great. Berg. We'll do it again. Great man. having you here. Great yeah. to be here. I, this is so much fun. The veterans always hold their own on this show. Have you noticed that, Cahoons? That it, it, he's a veteran and a comics. That literally sums up the two best types of guests we have. But uh, this was absolutely awesome, guys. If you want a uh, Patreon episode, I do just for a $5 donation minimum. That's all we're asking. One large cup of coffee over at Dunkin' Donuts. You can help support the show. I still put the free episodes out every Tuesday. Check us out at American Loser uh, Instagram. Uh, Oh, it's American Loser Podcast on Instagram. American Loser Podcast on Facebook. KP Burke sucks on Instagram. KP Burke over on Facebook. That's where I'm posting mostly jokes and shit. And again, for just $5, you get a free Patreon-exclusive end-of-the-month episode. Uh, That uh, You guys paying for that helps me keep this shit going. So it's like PBS except with a beer budget. So thank you for that. And uh, guys, that being said, my name was KP Burke. And that was Jesse James, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born.